0: Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips.
1: And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about
0: gardening. The one thing we both have in common is Muddy muddy boots. Boots. A topic on one of our most recent podcasts was Keith's Top 10 Fruit Trees, and today's topic is a follow-up to that. I'm sure we'd all love to grow at least one fruit tree in our gardens, but for that tree to thrive and produce healthy fruit, it's important to make the right choice of tree for your soil and climate, and it's equally important that the tree be pruned, fed, and harvested correctly too. So today we're going to provide a step-by-step guide to planting, pruning, and harvesting your favourite fruit trees. Keith. Yes. Hi. Hi. What sort of things should we be thinking about before heading out to the nursery to choose a fruit tree?
1: Right. Well, the very first thing you do before you go out, even bother to go out and think about buying a fruit tree is to think about where you're going to be putting it yeah. so that it's going to get um, as much exposure to the sun as possible um, and what is happening under the ground. Yes. We know, the we know this is something we always go on about, but it's, it's, this is it. So you need to prepare the whole so, and you first need to work out roughly what size pots you're going to be buying, or if you were luck- lucky enough to have bought them, you know, in the, during the, the the winter season, they'd been bare rooted, and yeah. uh, you're getting a, a great uh, great value for your plant there. So things things that you need to do with your soil is is to put lots and lots of good compost into the soil, um, and I always recommend that you go and, you, and and source and buy a product called Myco Gold. Which is a, a fungal spore, uh, and that's available from BioStim. So if you just Google www.biostim.com.au, you'll find Myco Gold in their site, and and that is just a fungal spore that you put into the base of the hole. So one teaspoon goes in, into the your, your composted prepared soil, um, and then. Um, The next thing that that you would put in there would be something like maybe some rock dust because the rock dust is going to be adding all the trace elements and minerals that that soil does not have at the moment. Um, and we've, we've spoken about this with, um, and people, and our listeners can go back and listen to some of the, 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 the um, podcasts that we've done, um, when we had, um, Rebecca from Monash. So you can hear all about how that, the rock dust works in that one. Mm-hmm. And then another new product that is, that I have just found that's, um, been released by Clyde Composts. Vince has released a, a product called Lignite.
0: Yes. Tell us what that is again.
1: Right, lignite is um, the the actual Latin word lignite is wood. So what lignite is is called lignite humate, and it is brown coal. And it is probably one of the most incredible products that you can be putting into the soil, apart from biochar. But this is a, this is a, a longer-lasting form of biochar. Oh, um, yeah, and 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 the brown coal, in actual fact, only contains twenty percent of the carbon um, component. So the rest is actually humate, which is what trees have you know defongerated down and and. Decomposed down to what was
0: that word? Defongerated. Defongerated,
1: yeah. It's that? a very technical term. That's it's a Latin term for for breaking down slowly wow. over twenty million years.
0: <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay. All right. right. So, so that so the the, the, ligni- the, the lignite ligni- yeah. the lignite is is blended into, into the compost. mix mixed into
1: into your soil and the compost into your hole. Yeah. So
0: Vince sells that in bags. Yeah. The lignite mixed into compost. Yes. That's a new, no, new no. 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 This
1: is just pure brown coal in a bag. It oh. is absolutely brilliant.
0: Okay, so then you buy a bag of that and buy a couple of bags of compost, mix yep, it all and together. Mix it, mix it all in, in yeah. So,
1: so one bag, one bag of, of his lignite, which is 20 litres, um, you do four square metres with that particular that, – right. that, that one product. So okay. f- it's roughly five litres per square metre that you mix that into the soil with. Fantastic. Um, and as I said, it, it contains the coal, which will absorb nutrients mm. um, that will otherwise leach out of that particular soil. But then it's got the – 80% is the humate itself, and the, the magnificent thing about the lignite is that it will hold up to 200% of its own weight in water. Wow, 200%. Okay, it's an absolute ripper product.
0: Okay, we need that, so, um,
1: so that's going to be mixed in. Okay. Um, so should, we,
0: should we have done a soil test? Oh, no. With all of that, you don't all really this, need to. All, all of this that, stuff going into it, it's it, is going to make it you, perfect.
1: You, it's going to be absolutely brilliant because okay. you've, you've modified the soil, you've put the amendments in, and it's just going to absolutely be brilliant. Okay. So um, if you're going to buy um, um, a plant, that hole needs to be twice the size of the pot that, that um, you're going to be putting okay. putting or purchasing from, yes. so twice the size of the pot.
0: So those roots can spread themselves out. Exactly.
1: All right. And the last thing you want to do is any root disturbance. You don't yes. you don't tease the roots. If you yes. bought a plant that requires teasing the roots, it's pot bound.
0: Yes. So
1: okay. and you don't you disturb don't want roots. That, you don't want one of those. No.
0: Okay, so the soil is ready to go. Now the time for the fun part: choosing that tree. And it's a good idea. Depending on where you live, obviously it's a good idea to have a chat to someone at the nursery about what trees are suited to the local mm-hmm. areas, do you think, to yep, the area? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, even the big green warehouse has got qualified horticulturists there that, that you know, have got lots and lots of good information. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, your local nursery guys, he's the, he's the one that this is what he's – you know, he, he, he does, for, does for a living and right. uh, he's incredibly passionate as well. So they're worth, you know, visiting.
0: Yes. For sure. So we've now transported that tree home safely. Mm-hmm. The hole has been dug and, as you said, you've it's got has it all been the double the size, got everything in there. Yep. So... If it's a grafted tree that you've bought, mm-hmm. the join should be above ground level. It should, is that correct? yeah.
1: So, so I, in in all my specifications on my my landscape plans, I always say that the, the 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 top of the the actual root ball should be in in the same manner as it is in the ground. So the top the top of the actual pot mm. where the soil is. Mm that's the that's the actual surface okay. so you can put a little bit of mulch over the top but yep. not too much mm. because you don't want mulch up against the the actual <laughs> trunk of the trees no. because you get collar rot yep so you need to keep that you know keep the mulch up but i also suggest that if you're planting at this time of the year and you, mm. and you know their plants are still can be put into the ground even this time mm. of the year mm. um that you actually plant the put the actual Plant a little bit deeper into that hole, so that when you're backfilling it all, you've got a you've got a dish okay. that can, you know you can put then put the the hose into, and it'll fill up and then slowly soak through that okay, soil so profile.
0: Can it be slightly below the ground level. Yeah. Okay. What mulch are we putting in? Hooflung flung dung or anything else?
1: Hoof dung is probably from the best, trees. the best one of the lot, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But if you, you know, if you're putting it into a garden bed and you've got your existing mulch there, then that's fine. The only one I don't recommend is is the one that you get from the council, which is full of incredible particles of fine, too fine a material that actually gets washed down through that that pro, that mulch profile and forms this thick crusty layer on the on, on the within that mulch area yeah. and the water well, we that can't is can't then just through. spreads off it, yeah. Oh.
0: The so
1: council- always an open open bark, you know, whether yeah. it be an open pine bark or a red gum chip or something else like that. That's, that, that's the sort of thing.
0: What is that council mulch good for then?
1: Um, for?
0: Pathways and do things, rubbish, things like that. No. Basically,
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it and okay. Sorry, wouldn't recommend council. it anywhere. No.
0: Not that we don't like your councils. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so then, a stake should be perhaps be needed to provide support and protect yeah, the tree. Yes, that's yeah, important. that's always a good thing because, yes.
1: you know, but you know, always put a always put a hardwood stake in, not a, a metal stake, mm. because a hardwood stake will eventually rot, okay. and you don't want a tree relying relying yeah. on being you know trussed up to a, a, a an immovable object, because it's not going to develop its root system mm-hmm. properly. Mm. It needs a little bit of movement, mm. and that then. Sets the roots out into the ground to, to stabilise and to anchor it.
0: Okay, good good advice. Uh, okay, so by now it's time to sit back and watch that tree grow, making sure to water and feed the tree on regular intervals. Of course, mm-hmm. do you have a regular routine when it comes to watering your trees?
1: Yeah, I go out and have a look at it and stick my finger in the ground if it's moist. Uh, um, that's, that's fine. Mm. But if, you know, if, if the top's starting to dry out, then I'll give it a little dose then dose of water then. And and mine's all set up with an irrigation system right. now. So when the summer really kicks in and we've got long periods of dryness, then, you know, that it sprinkle will come on automatically. Up. Yeah, Yeah.
0: okay. Now, I know feeding varies depending on the tree, but what fertilising products do you use yourself and how often do you um, use them?
1: For fruit trees, I use, I use um, Gigantic. hmm all uh, fruit trees. Yeah, for all the fruit okay, trees. Good. Yeah, gigantic. By Nutrog. By Nutrog. Yeah, um, I think that's a, a fabulous um, balanced fertilizer for you know flowering and fruiting plants. Okay. But you know you, you've already put all that goodness into the soil. You know, so, so you don't need to prove. You, do you don't really need to be away. doing this. You know, maybe maybe in, during the seasons. You know, so maybe one in in spring, one in 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 summer and then autumn, and then a, a dose in winter just to carry that plant through.
0: So you can still use a gigantic in winter as well? You can. It um,
1: and, and you'd use that on, on plants that are actually carry their leaves probably all the way through through till September, which are generally apple trees. Okay. They'll generally carry leaves, you know, on their branches for a long, long period of time. So there's still actually, you know, there's still sap movement through those.
0: Okay. All right, so I think we better move on to pruning, otherwise mm. we'll never get there. Um, this also varies greatly depending on what tree you've chosen, but there are general ru- rules which apply to most trees, mm-hmm. aren't there? So in the first year of growth, it's all about shaping the it tree. Is. Is
1: right? and and if it, and it, if you're going to be putting in a fruit tree and it's going to be in the middle of a you know of a, a garden bed or something else, then you, what you're wanting to, to create there is a shape of a vase or a, you know, or a champagne glass, you know. Mm-hmm. So all the branches are all, all, all around the outside, but the, the inside is actually open. And the reason for that is that sunlight can get down into it. You've you've got also got good circulation of air through those, so you're not going to pick up fungal diseases like, you know, brown spot and all these sorts of things occurring on the plant. So there's, you've got to have good light penetration and good air penetration for a fruit tree.
0: Okay, that's called an open centre.
1: An open centre, exactly.
0: I can see that here. Okay, so from year two, from the second year and beyond, when should pruning occur and how? Okay, All right, so in question.
1: Okay, so so this this is a very open ended question. Mm. Um, it depends. It depends entirely upon what fruit tree you've got. Mm, mm. So. A lot of people, and I had, a, I had a, um, a follower from Instagram send me through some pictures of her apricot tree and she said, what's wrong with it? And it had all these splits on the bark. So I sent back and I said, when did you prune it? She said, oh, I pruned it, um, you know, just as the buds were starting to form, which means that it was late winter. Now, apricot trees um, have incredible amount of sap flow through them. So they've got to be pruned not in winter, when the tree is dormant, but in summer after the after the actual Pruits. apricots have been picked, you go back and you prune right behind where the last apricot is, and what will happen then is that plant will seal off that cut. And from the nearest node, it will then send up an, a new branch. Uh, and this applies to peaches and nectarines, the same thing. You prune those after you've harvested the fruit because then it, the, the plant has the the uh, capability of growing new branches from the summer all the way through to to the end of autumn. And it's on that wood that you're going to have next year's fruit. Right. So that's and that and it's a great way of controlling and you know maintaining the, the height and the shape of the plant so, too.
0: So will this you damage that tree long term or
1: no? Can, no I've given us some solutions. I've, I've sort of said, look, if, if there's any any if there's any um, sap that's starting to ooze out through that, clean that off um, because you don't want. This disease called gamosis getting into it, which is a fungal disease mm. that gets into the into that open wounds. So okay. scrape off the scrape off the sap and then use a product called Steri Prune, which is in a spray can. You buy it from the big green warehouse or your local nursery, and just it's just like a bitumen, and you just spray it over that over that to that, seal is, it. that seal it mm. and just seal it in. Yeah, mm. just okay. tie it all in.
0: So that's the apricot trees and the nectarines, etc. And the peaches, that's, yeah. That's the stone fruit. What about apples? Okay. Uh, lemons, you know, there's so well, many. Well,
1: lem- lemons, lemons. You would prune, you would, pr- you, you would prune lightly um, before before flowering. You know, you don't want to be pruning off flowers on no, lemon trees. No. So um, pick pick the fruit off, and if you need a, a light touch, up, prune that back then on lemons. Mm-hmm. But don't cut your, your buds off because that's next year's. Okay. Lemons coming through. Okay. Now with apples, this is a this is another little problem that you can get in with apple. If you've got an apple tree that's in a vase shape and it's sitting in a garden bed, then you prune that in in late winter. I mean, I mean very late winter because you've got to wait till the leaves have dropped off, right. and then you prune that back to an outward growing bud, and you clean out any branches that're crossing over it. Having said that, if you if you were lucky enough to have bought an apple and has spalied did it. You actually do the pruning of an aspalied apple tree in summer. Oh, so th- where you've got the horizontal branches coming up, if you get new vertical growths coming up, which are just like a water shoot, you just take those off. And that's done in the summer. Okay. So that's, you know, time to do that. And, and the same would apply to, to, to a pear, the same sort of scenario.
0: Okay. And obviously, you would always remove any disease or, cr- or as you said, the crossing branches, yeah. anything that's crossing, um, thinning out overcrowded crowded areas so that you've got more air coming in. Exactly. And um, light. And light. And avoid over pruning. Some people, because I'm a bit of an overpruner.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you just get out there and just can't stop yourself.
0: <laughs> and so then you don't get any fruit, which That's is not right. so good, is it? That's right.
1: <laughs> um, you know, so you need to do a little bit of research on that. You know, where, do you, where what's a, you know, a fruiting spur, and what's a, you know, going to be a bud. But as I said, if you follow that very very simple notion with apricots. Peaches and nectarines. You prune those after you've harvested the fruit back to where that last fruit was, and then it's as simple as that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Now, something we don't really want to talk about, but we have to, is pest and disease control because it can't, sadly, can't be avoided when it comes to growing anything in the garden. And there are unfortunately quite a few pests yeah, there are. and diseases that like to attack fruit trees, aren't there?
1: There is, and and the bane of my life is curly leaf on peaches and nectarines it is this year it's it's i have sprayed my trees during winter with a with a copper fungicide um i must have done it 10 times and i've still got leaves this year that have come out and I've got curly leaf on it. It's it's just an absolute pain. But what
0: what is it about this weather? That's it's, um,
1: it's, it's, just a bit. It's, it's wet and it's humid. Right, but the right. fact that the fungus the fungus is still there is mm-hmm. is still persistent mm. means it's an incredibly hard strain. Mm, and, right. and as I said, all I can do now is just pull off the the diseased leaves in a bag and in the bin. Okay. And nothing much else I can do about it. And just more spraying again in during the, the dormant months.
0: So you can spray it you spray
1: you spray them only only during when they're dormant okay. before before bud burst
0: okay and you said 10 times so you, you, oh, that's a lot
1: it's a lot yeah but, but it doesn't you know, it's
0: not going to hurt to do it a lot
1: no it doesn't hurt i mean okay. the, the trees totally dormant at that stage anyway so the copper sulfate's perfectly harmless it's not going to okay. you know cause any problems
0: all right well let's move from the miserable miserable, miserable i can't say the word a bit onto something happy and that is harvesting of Fruit. Yes. How long do we have to wait for our trees to produce fruit once we put it in the, the new tree into the ground? Um, How long? Well, depending on what it is, obviously. Yeah. Apple.
1: Apple. Well, apple, you, you need to understand that an apple needs a cross-pollinator. So there's got to be another variety that's flowering at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that fine. applies
1: to plums as well, not to peaches and nectarines. Uh, cherries it does, except for one particular variety called Stella, which is a self-fertile um, a variety.
0: How close does a cross-pollinator have to be in um,
1: the garden? As far as a bee will fly, you know, which, <laughs> and that's three kilometres. <laughs> so it could be,
0: okay, so it could be next door,
1: up the road. Yeah, but exactly. Neither. You know, if, you, if you've seen a walk past and seen an apple tree, you know, you, you're pretty safe. And, but it, as I said, it's got to be flowering at the same time in order mm. to get that pollination.
0: Mm-hmm. okay that's hard, okay. Once the fruit starts to appear, what are the signs of readiness for picking? How do we know
1: um, with yeah. apples yeah. it's it's more a case of feeling how they how they feel on the bush and also the color okay. you know, so you're looking for as much of a blush as possible, but understanding that that apples will you know will hang way on into in, into the season, so that's that's you know a good indication. Okay. Um and it's just a matter of just twisting them off. And if they come off easy, well they're that's ready. they're ready to go. And the same applies to the pears. Cherries, well cherries you you're looking at just the colour, you know, yeah. if if it's a if it's a black cherry or whatever else, you're waiting for that to be nice deep. Okay. Um, um peaches, you're feeling for just a little bit of giveness in the actual flesh itself. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and that's telling you it's ripe. Apricots, they're a little bit little bit harder, but that's also um an appearance thing, as well, looking okay. at them yep. um, but one of the best things you can actually do to tell if a fruit tree is, is a fruit is actually ready to go is to go up and give it a smell mm-hmm. have a sniff of it mm. and you can you can you can do that in the in the vegetable shop you know to to get your senses yeah. going you know pick yeah. up a fruit and have the smell of it yeah. and generally if it, if you can get that fragrance of what that fruit is it's that's ready, ready to go it's ready to eat yeah.
0: and do you have any tips for carefully removing fruit from the tree without damaging the branches or damaging the fruit yeah
1: i i would always suggest that you use just a little pair of snips uh, even a pair of scissors is good okay. enough. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a little bag that fits around my fat tummy <laughs> that's got a, a little, pair of sa- little pair of snip secateurs in it. So I just go around and fill up the, fill up the bag and yep. with all the fruit and take yep. it inside.
0: We need one of those. We need a website.
1: We, okay. Yeah, we do. Well, they're, they're good. Um, okay,
0: and then – oh, sorry.
1: Well, I'm, the other thing I was going to say is that you, you've got – if you've got a, an excess of fruit, you're lucky. Mm um because you've managed to beat everyone else that's wanting to have a crack at it, like the the birds and all that sort of stuff but if you do have an excess of fruit you know you don't have to look at it and say oh, I've got to have to eat those or give them away you can always dry them mm-hmm. you know with a with a dehydrator i mean dried fruit it can be off your own tree yeah. where the sugars have all developed is absolutely sensational delicious, delicious. You know? so there's all that all that sort of an opportunity but you've, as I said you you've got to be gentle harvesting your fruit. You don't want to go bruising them, whether it be apples or pears or whatever else, yeah. um, you know, and make sure that um, you uh, you appreciate the fruit for what it's going to give you.
0: Exactly. You mentioned something about birds. Netting.
1: Yes. And here, well, you've, you've been to my backyard in the middle of summer.
0: Yeah. I've got mess. I've, I've got a,
1: it is. It just looks like a, a, a scene from ghosts city yes, yes. there's all these white nets and all the nets are all two millimeter two millimeter two millimeter micron size that um, birds can't get their you know their little mm. feet snagged in I or know, anything else um and fruit fly can't get in fruit flies working its way down here in victoria oh unfortunately um it's that mongrel mediterranean sorry the mongrel queensland one that we're getting oh
0: gosh.
1: but it's on its way and and that micro that two millimeter micron net will you know,
0: control, control Stop those, yeah, for in. sure. Because that's a boring. You have to do it, but it's it's a necessary evil. Mm. Unfortunately. Okay. Now, how do you store your fruit for a longer shelf life?
1: Um, I would, if, if I've got a, a lot of apples, it'll go into the vegetable crisper. Mm-hmm. But if I've got excess of what we can eat, I'll dry them. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, and we we um, we came across um, a particular. Um, harvesting company in south australia that grow all their own fruit trees and they do their own drying on that and i tell you what i have never tasted better dried fruit in all my night my life and it's a company called the singing magpie yes. so you can easily google that yes. but there we have bought i don't know how many packets of peaches from them that they've dried and every one of their, their fruits is grown locally and yeah. picked at full maturity and then dried beautifully. Yeah. But as you said, you've got, you know, you've got all that in your own garden. Yeah,
0: get a dryer. Get a dryer, get a dryer. dehydrator. Dehydrator, I yeah. should say. Yeah, fantastic. I'll get one of those. <sighs> So there, as there are specific requirements for the different types of fruit trees, it is obviously essential to research the specific needs of your tree. Exactly. Uh, Ongoing maintenance such as watering, fertilising and pest control is also very important to ensure healthy tree growth and a bountiful harvest. So happy gardening and happy eating. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.